Today, we have a very special episode. I'm super excited to have Jolene Wynn join me for the podcast. She is a phenomenal example for many, many women who are having a hard time going through this process because she herself has been through it. And she has a podcast and a book coming out and she does coaching for women, regardless of whether or not the husband is wanting to overcome his addiction. She's a firm believer that wives can truly heal independent of whatever's going on in her life and become a better version of her, more grounded, more solid, more self-worth, just truly overcoming the pain that she's in. And I'm so excited to have her here because there was a couple of questions that a listener submitted who I thought Jolene would just be the perfect person to answer these and we can have a discussion about this. So I want to welcome you, Jolene. Thank you so much for being with me today. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me, Sam. And I am excited about these questions. Yes. Okay. So uh, I guess a part of what I want to say is this is also for the husbands who are listening because it's so important to hear from a wife's perspective what's happening on her end. So I'll just share with you the two questions here. So I just copy and <laughs> Jolene was asking me, you were asking me earlier, Jolene, like, is this what was worded or is this my interpretation of what was worded? So I just said, I copy and pasted the email to these questions. She said, number one, when my husband, when the husband gets better and the wife gets worse, you know, what do we do there? And then the second one, she says, can you have, can you make an episode about when the betrayed becomes addicted to the trauma? And I thought that was a very, uh, I don't know, a strong way to word that. And, but she herself, the listener was a woman. And so I thought, man, this is like a perfect way to, I, I'd love to bring Julie on and have her answer some of these questions and get her thoughts and perspective. Because I've seen both of these things where naturally the wife is hypervigilant and she's afraid and she's protecting herself. And I've seen it also where when the husband changes, she doesn't get any better and she still stays stuck in that trauma, which is super painful. It's just hard. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to start off with the first question here. When the husband gets better and the wife gets worse, I know you work with the women who are going through this trauma and I would imagine, I don't know, I'd love to hear your experience just first. If you've seen women come in and reporting, my husband's doing this, he stopped doing this and he started doing this and I should be in a better place, but I'm not like, I don't know if they get hard on themselves, but like, what are your, what's your perspective, your take on that initial question? Absolutely. I see that a lot. Actually, I have several women. I, I get the whole spectrum. I have a lot spectrum. I have a lot of women who their husband isn't doing anything. And so that's hard. And then I have a lot of women who their husband is doing all the things that they, he, that they think he should do. He's going to therapy or 12 step groups or counseling, or they have apps on his phone, or he's been clean for six months and they don't understand why they still feel an emotional mess inside. And part of the reason why that happens is because as the wife, right, we assume that his actions are what is creating all of our emotional turmoil, right? Because we were fine until he had all of this behavior, right? Until he started looking at porn, we were fine. Therefore, our brain thinks that the solution is, okay, once he stops looking at porn, then I'll feel better. The problem with that is that that's not true. All it does is his pornography use is basically just what your brain's excuse is for bringing up all of your own stuff, your own insecurities, your own self-doubt, your own fear. And we just carry around all of this emotional baggage. And so even if he starts getting better, if you don't deal with that emotional baggage, it doesn't go anywhere. It just hangs out there. So he can be getting better and doing all the right things that you think are supposed to make you feel better, but they won't as long as you 
think that him changing his actions is what's going to solve your emotional mess. You actually have to look at your own emotional mess and solve it in order for you to start getting better. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And I think that's such a good point because, you know, I've seen that lots of times as well, where naturally, understandably, the husband's actions influence and affect his wife. It hurts if there's like a betrayal there, if there's deception and dishonesty and like gaslighting and all this stuff that happens. It's so, so painful. And so it would make sense why it would be like, well, if he were just to stop doing those things, we would be okay. Mm -hmm. But I agree. I think that there's another element where, because I've worked with couples where sometimes the relationship, even before the discovery, not in a good spot. Right. He's not present. There is defensiveness there. There is a lack of emotional connection. They fight all the time. But I've also worked with couples where the wife literally has no idea that something's going on because she thinks we have a great relationship. And that was me. <laughs> yeah. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, Just like absolutely. You were about? That was me. So my husband was addicted to pornography for five or six years of our marriage before he actually came and told me about it. And I had no idea. I've had many yeah. clients in the past who were like, as soon as I found out it made sense, his yes. behavior made sense for me. I had nothing. I don't know if I just was super naive or I, he was really good at hiding it or both, or I just never looked for it. I never even thought about it. So for that was me. I had no idea that we were great. Even our, even our sex life was great. Like, which is a mm-hmm. lot of people think that that's like the number one indicator. Sure. Everything was fine. Everything was wonderful. We had a great relationship yeah. and then boom, broadsided. So it was very different. <laughs> So, yeah, and that, that I have a couple of follow-up questions. I know we've got kind of got this topic. We can go any direction with all this. Um, I wonder maybe if we can briefly kind of have a tangent, like, I wonder if you can speak to that a little bit. So many women that I work with who do discover, okay, this has been happening. And I, you know, it, it, it causes them to redefine everything from the past where it now is like, everything is a lie. Everything Mm -hmm. is bad. This whole relationship is bad from the start because this thing had been happening. I'd love to have your perspective on that because I think it's normal to start to reevaluate everything. If I were to speak to the husband, he would tell me like, of course not. Like, of course I care about her. Of course she's important to me. Like these moments were real, but the wife struggles with that because she's like, no, they weren't there. Everything's tainted now. I don't know if that's a part of how you experienced in the beginning and if you see it differently now. I did not do that, but I have seen it many, many times. And the reason that it's tempting to do that or what I have found is that it's very difficult for women to hold both positive and very negative emotions toward their spouse. So maybe they had a lot of positive emotion and a lot of positive memories. And then all of a sudden here comes this huge reveal. And now they have a lot of negative emotion that comes up. Our brain wants to have it be one or the other. Our brain wants it to be either I love this man or I hate this man. It's very difficult for your brain to have both. So it's very tempting to want to then rewrite your whole history with the knowledge that you have now, because that confirms your negative emotion. Does that make sense? So like whatever, you know, um, bitterness or resentment or anger or sadness or whatever it is that you're feeling, it's very tempting to want to take that and apply it across the board because it's easier to do that. As painful as that is, it's easier to do that in your brain than it is to hold space in your brain for the man that you did marry, the man that you love, the great memories that you've had. It's much easier to then, like you said, have it be tainted. It's very tempting to want to do that. 
because it it validates how you feel in the moment. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Totally. And I think just kind of from like a uh, the way that our brain is, like you're saying, the, the brain that the way that our brain is wired is. I remember learning this in school. This is kind of stuck with me about how when there's like a an alarm bell that goes off, right? The amygdala is the fear center. It's like mm-hmm. the fight or flight, right? It's the emotional yes. brain that gets activated. When the emotional brain gets activated, it goes to very polar black and white. Yes. There's no room for nuance. And that's for good reason. Because right. if we're in danger, we can't be unsure about whether there's danger. It needs to be so clear. It has to be yes or no, black, white, good, bad, success, fail. Like it's, it, it has to be polar opposite. So it, so again, the brain's number one goal is to keep us alive. It's not to make us happy, right? So right. it's just it's survival. Yes. So it has to polarize everything and put it, put it into a category or a label and it's slanted towards the negative yes. because if it has to err, it's going to air it's going to it's going to lean towards making the like a what is it like a false positive or a false negative or like oh, if, yeah, for if sure. it's like potentially bad the brain's going to slap a huge negative danger stay away from it label right mm-hmm. and so i think it's easy to re- redefine and reevaluate everything cuz the brain that's what the brain does it categorizes and it tries to make sense of things and organizes it which i think is tough because in this particular it's a good function when it helps but yes. in in terms of like personal growth and healing and in our relationship and our marriage, it doesn't serve us very well because everything then kind of gets like a shadow cast on it. When that that's not the like for you to for your experience, you described it like that wasn't the case for you. It didn't it didn't overshadow everything because the moments that you did have that were good, it sounded to me like when you said that like you could hold on to those. Like no, those were good moments. It didn't mean everything was bad. A hundred percent. And I think that this is kind of what happens to going back to the original question of of when he starts to get better and the wife gets worse. One of the reasons why the wife gets worse when he gets better is because of that negativity that our brain wants to hold on to. Our brain wants to keep the, well, I shouldn't, um, I, you know, maybe tomorrow he'll relapse, right? Your brain thinks it's really important to, to keep, on guard, right? My clients say this all the time. And you even said it before we started recording was waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? That is a phrase I hear so often. It's like, it doesn't matter whether the husband is doing well or been sober or clean for a year. They're just on edge. They feel like they're emotionally tight waiting for the other shoe to drop. They feel like they haven't been able to give themselves permission to um, even enjoy or be hopeful about his recovery or about his progress, because what happens is our brain is so wired for survival. So wired to say, no, we need to be on alert. We need to be on edge because something could happen tomorrow that, that puts us right back where we were. And so we just need to always be expecting it. Right. Which just makes you emotionally exhausted because now Mm -hmm. you're living at a really high anxiety level constantly double checking your spouse, constantly on edge, not really believing him, not giving yourself permission to move forward as he does. And this is one thing that I wanted to to mention is that one of the reasons that women struggle when their husband gets better, if they're not doing their own emotional recovery, is because often they think that if they allow themselves to feel hopeful, 
it means they're not taking it seriously enough. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. It's like, if I allow myself to, let's say my husband's been clean for six months. If I allow myself to like release that anxiety a little bit, if I let down my guard a little bit, right. Uh, their brain thinks that that means that they're not taking it seriously or that it lets him off the hook yep. for all the years of hurt and pain that it's like basically giving him permission as my clients have said, to have his cake and eat it too. It's mm-hmm. like, then that means, what does that mean that I'm okay with it? Does it mean that everything was fine? Does it mean that I was never hurt? Does it mean that I'm not taking it seriously enough? Does it mean I'm a doormat? We have all of these thoughts and all of these concerns about what it means if he gets better and we are hopeful or accept that he's getting better. Does that make sense? And that's a, such an important point because I've heard the same concerns from this yeah. and again i told there's no judgment in any of this right like i totally understand why she would think this and how she would feel like this and i've heard the same same uh rationale for holding on to it is like the things that you'd mentioned i've also heard uh if i start to become happy he'll stop doing his work yeah that's the fear right he's yes. doing better but if i'm happy then that, then he's like oh we've made it so now i can coast yes. they're like that can't happen we can't go backwards i cannot like i couldn't live in that anymore so the fear kind of keeps them stuck in that loop, you know? Yes. And so I just kind of touching on what you'd mentioned earlier, as far as some of the individual work that that women can benefit from, what kinds of issues have you seen that you feel like the pornography shines? A, like you said, it kind of, it brings mm-hmm. up this, like all the hurt and all the inner stuff yes. that they attribute to his behavior. Mm-hmm. And there's a part of that, of course, there's betrayal due to his behavior, but it's not like when he changes and he's not doing that, and she's still feeling that trauma. I, I, I want to spend a little time talking about what you notice in terms of the inner work that can be helpful. Absolutely. Um, I think that one of the biggest examples of this is physical insecurities. Um, women tend to have a lot of physical insecurities. Um, we think our butt isn't big enough and our stomach's too flabby and our, you know, and mm-hmm. if we looked more like, you know, whatever we have the ideal woman looks like, then maybe he wouldn't go do this thing. Now, my husband did not create all my physical insecurities. I've been feeling insecure about myself since I was in like, oh, eighth grade. So, Mm -hmm. but when he, when I found out about his pornography use, it brought up Mm -hmm. all of those insecurities. Now, some of them I was still kind of aware of, but to a whole new level. Right now, again, he didn't create those. His pornography use didn't create my physical insecurities, but it brought them to the surface. So that's what I mean when, when I say that, like, this is something that just gets brought up our self, our insecurities, our self-doubt, our anxieties, they all kind of just get brought to the surface. It's like somebody shines a light on them. And so whether or not he starts to get better, that's work that I have to do. He can't solve my physical insecurities. So let me give you an example. For for me, the way that this came up was, and then this happens all the time with my clients, was um, in physical intimacy, right? So whenever my husband would initiate um, physical intimacy, then my brain would say, wait, is he just, does he really want me or does he want someone else? Or am I... Um, Maybe I'm not what he wants, or maybe my I don't look like the women he's looked at, or whatever it is, right? My my brain immediately became very self-conscious. I felt very self-conscious, not because of what he was doing. In the moment, it was just me and him, but it was my brain bringing up my own physical insecurities. So the work that I had to do, and this was the hardest work 
that mm. I did was not the dealing with the the hurt and the pain and the betrayal and all that stuff. Like that was really difficult. But the the hardest work that I had to do was learning how to overcome my own self-conscious tendencies and learning how to feel more confident about myself physically. And that way I could be totally present with him in physical intimacy, even, and this was like years after he had stopped watching porn. Like it was still coming up for me. I would still have the same self-doubt, the same self-consciousness. And that was the work that I had to do because no matter if he hadn't been watching porn for years, it was still coming up. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Totally. And I, yeah, I think that's that's such an important piece to this because it's not, it doesn't cause it, but it amplifies what's yes. there. It just shines a light on it. It's like, it's there, but you you kind of pull the cap off and it's that you can look inside of the thing, now, the bottle now, or whatever analogy you want to use, but like you're exposing it, Yes, which is painful. And it would make sense why it would be very easy for a wife to say, well, like this is the problem because I didn't feel this before yes, or I wasn't aware of it before. Mm -hmm. And if it was there, it wasn't to the degree that it is now. Therefore, it's like this thing is the issue. Mm -hmm. And again, it makes it, it, it amplifies it. Sure. <clears throat> and, and that doing that inner work is a big part of what will help her to heal. Mm -hmm. Cause I think it, there's like, there's multiple resources for this because I think as I work with couples, there's a relationship. I guess there's so many threads that we can go to this. So there's three components. Number one, it's his, his work. Number two yeah. is her work. Number three is the relationship work. Mm -hmm. And they're separate elements that can yes. overlap, but they're all necessary to address. And a part of how you can use the marriage as a resource, right? If he becomes a person who you can start to lean on and trust, and he's doing his work and he's becoming a different person, we want to use that strength as a resource for our individual healing. Mm -hmm. it, it it's not a codependent thing as much as we're turning to somebody else. That's how we're wired, right? It's like, there's this whole idea of attachment, attachment theory. We are strong in pairs. That doesn't mean yeah. we were, you know, it doesn't mean we're weak and incapable alone, but mm -hmm. like it becomes a resource for us. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let me actually take a step back. So it's like, <clears throat> we so easily see this in kids when I so saw a little two-year-old boy and anytime there's a loud noise, as soon as something like drops on the floor, the first thing he does is run towards me or my wife mm. because it's biologically hardwired into us that we okay. turn to somebody else for that support because when we get that connection, there's safety in pairs. Yes. And that's again, evolutionarily like yes, we lived in tribes and herds and like communities. And so that's there. That's not to say that we shouldn't do our individual work though, right? Both right. pieces are so helpful. So- getting back to what I was saying, it can be so helpful for the husband to reassure his wife and say, this is where my mind is. Because if her fear is, well, he's thinking about somebody else and he tells her, no, I'm not, I'm present. I'm with you. You're my person. I'm not thinking about any of this old stuff anymore. I was, I'm a different person right now. Mm -hmm. That reassurance can be so helpful. And I think what you're saying is that when, when there can be those interactions, but if she doesn't believe it or still feels inadequate or still feels like, no, I, I, I just, I don't measure up. He's like, yes, you do. When right. there's that miss there, it sounds like, I, I wonder if that's kind of what you're saying is like, that's where it can be so helpful to do that inner work, especially if he's reassuring, like, no, I'm, I'm with you. Mm -hmm. And it's hard for her to take that in. Is that, is that how you see it? Like on Absolutely. Um, this is funny because I have a funny story. So <laughs> that really is when I learned this 
is that we like to think as women, we like to think that, okay, well, if he just said the right things or if he just did the right things, then I'll feel better, which kind of goes to this first question, right? It's like, okay, well, if he just, you know, I, I, you know, I know he wants to get better, but if he, if I saw him doing X, Y, and Z, then I would feel better. But the part where we miss is we forget that we have thoughts that are in the way of this. So for example, when once upon a time when we were married and I didn't feel very great about myself, I was trying to figure out why. And I determined that my husband wasn't complimenting me enough. And so I started to keep track, the poor man. So um, (laughs) for two weeks, he did not verbally compliment me. And so I came to him and I was like, look, fool, I'm not feeling very good about myself. I'm pretty sure it's all your fault. And I need you to start complimenting me more. And he was like, of course, I'm so sorry. You're a goddess. I love you so much. And he started complimenting me more. Well, the problem with this is that it didn't actually make me feel any better because even though he started complimenting me more, which is exactly what I thought I needed in order to feel better about myself. Every time he complimented me, I thought, He's only doing that because I asked him to, and he should have come up with this on his own. And he obviously doesn't mean it because he would have been able to just do this Mm -hmm. on his own, (laughs) right? So our thoughts get in the way of our perfect scenario that we have created, right? We think that him going to therapy is going to be the thing that makes us feel better. We think that him reassuring us that we are the only person that he needs is going to make us feel like we are enough. The problem is, is if we don't believe it, it's not going to change how we feel, right? Even if we intellectually get it, if we're like, yeah, I know I'm your person, we're married, but I don't feel that way. Mm -hmm. That's our work. That's the work that as the wife you have to do. Otherwise you're going to be stuck in that situation where he gets better and you just perpetually get worse. Can you speak to that? I think that's again, such an important point. Can you speak to like, what does that look like? If you're working with somebody, like if you, if somebody new came in the door and they were exactly where, we've been talking about where it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's overwhelming and all the things that we've just discussed. What, what would you say? Like how, what, what would be the process for what they should be paying attention to what they can work on, how to address those things? I know that's, there's lots of pieces to it, but like kind of an overview of what that might look like. Sure. So what I do is two parts, right? We start looking at the thoughts that she's having, right? So like I said, our brains get in the way, the thought, like I just gave you, which was, well, he's only doing that because I asked him to, right? Yeah. Or even just recognizing the disconnect. Because I have so many women that come in and say, I know this doesn't have anything to do with me, but it doesn't feel that way. And just recognizing that there is a disconnect there and asking them, why don't you believe it? And just starting there. It's a question that most of us don't take time to look at and ask ourselves because it brings up a lot of things that we have a lot of self-judgment about. Right. We even though we know that we are enough, recognizing that we don't really believe it can be a we have a lot of self-judgment of that. Well, I know I'm enough or I shouldn't feel this way or I shouldn't think this about myself, but I do is a tricky spot to to learn how to overcome, to learn how to not judge yourself and be self-aware and accept without all the self-judgment. So that's really the first thing that we work on is just awareness of what's going on, what we're thinking, what we're feeling, um, accepting it without judging. And then the third thing that I teach is how to feel it and process it in order to let it go. Because most of us are really terrible at feeling our feelings in a healthy Mm -hmm. way, right? We distract ourselves 
or we ignore them and we push them down for a really long time, but then we blow up about them later. And so what I teach them how to do is actually, you were talking about this earlier, it's like experience it, right? Experience the emotion, process it, feel it through, and then let it go. And then teach them how to retrain those thoughts. So the thoughts that are continue to create those same beliefs, retraining your brain, learning how to be in charge of your brain. So noticing when your brain says, no, I need to be on high alert. No, I need to be thinking this way and recognizing, no, that's just how my brain is wired, but I can use my brain differently and let's program it differently on purpose and then learning how to do that and practicing it. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's great. Cause I think that's, I think when people loop in those cycles mentally right of this is what this means he's doing this again i can't trust him Mm -hmm. it's going to fuel our body with negative emotion yes and and i'd love to see if you can speak to this as well because like there are women i'm sure that you're working with whose husbands aren't doing much who don't feel very committed to the program or the process or like they're not involved in the recovery work so her fears are justified when she says he's going to slip again Mm -hmm. this is going to hurt i need to protect myself Mm -hmm. how how do you help them? Uh, I guess maybe I'll leave it a little bit more vague in terms of the question. Like where, where do you go with that? Mm-hmm. Do you help her unlink those two things? Her growth is not connected to whether or not he's like doing well in his a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So we work on that a lot and, and figuring out why it's connected, right. And, un- and disconnecting that belief that her recovery has anything to do with it. And when we get there, recognizing something that you brought up, which is, that our brain is running on primal survival, right? And so it's saying, okay, but I should constantly be on alert here. Otherwise I'm going to get hurt. So, and like you were saying, that's a legitimate fear. The thing is, is what you're really afraid of isn't, is an, is an emotion, right? I'm afraid that he's going to do this. Why am I afraid of that? Because then I will feel hurt. Mm-hmm. So the the key to this is recognizing that is that your emotions are not something you have to be afraid of. And once you learn how to feel your feelings, you don't have to be scared of them. So then you can choose how you want to experience your relationship with your husband. If you want to constantly be on edge and not really give it your all or be totally concerned or on high anxiety and high alert so that you can uh, try to avoid feeling hurt, go for it. The problem is, is that you can't avoid feeling hurt. That is a lie that our brain teaches us, right? Our brain thinks, okay, well, if I don't put more in, or if I'm not as vulnerable, if I'm not as connected to him, if I don't um, engage as much, then I won't get as hurt. But that's not totally true, Mm -hmm. right? The truth is, is that you're going to feel hurt either way. Whether or not you're trying to protect yourself and holding yourself back, you're going to feel hurt either way. And one of the ways is you're going to feel hurt now because you're keeping yourself distant from your spouse. So that's a whole different kind of hurt. So and recognizing that and and just learning that your emotions are not something you need to be to, to shelter yourself from. They're meant to be felt. And if you learn how to feel them in a healthy way, then they're not something you have to protect yourself from. Does that that's make a sense? really going. That's a really great point because it's like I remember listening to one of your episodes a while back. I think you talked about like it's called foreboding joy. Is that did you reference that? I don't know, man. The way that you put this was like I don't know if you used that phrase. Sounds but- great. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it may not have been that phrase, but I remember specifically you talking. I remember where I was driving when I heard this because it was like you stay in this place of protection mm-hmm. because if you were to allow yourself to hope, the fear is like, if I hope, then I'll get hurt. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like what you're referencing right now. Yes. Where you're experiencing that pain in the present. Like anxiety is painful. Yes. Depression's painful. Like that's yes. not comfortable. Fear is uncomfortable. You know, like all these emotions that are happening in the present as it's like we're holding on to that to protect ourselves. Again, for good reason. We want to feel pro- like our brain is doing that on purpose. It wants mm-hmm. to be, pr- it wants to protect you. It sounds like you're saying though that you don't have to use those negative emotions as the protection because that mm-hmm. doesn't actually work. You don't feel safer by feeling afraid, by yes. holding on to the fear and assuming that he's going to slip. Even if he does, right? It might be a, you might be correct in your assumption, but just the fear of, I will feel so hurt if and when this happens, mm-hmm. like that doesn't actually protect you. A hundred percent. Can you speak a little like how, how have you helped women se- like separate and step away from the fear as the safeguard? towards like what would be the alternative well i think that the way that we do this is by learning teaching them more about their brain teaching them that they are separate from their brain so that they can see okay so this is my primitive brain that's running on survival mode but i don't have to listen to it right even just separating that enough is just that right there can be huge powerful right and just just make everyone feel so much more empowered to make their own decisions. Right. Which most people just don't quite recognize. Not aware of it. Right. Which is totally fine. No one's ever taught it, but here we are. You and I are teaching. Here we go. (laughs) And, and it's great. And there's something so powerful about being able to say, okay, I can feel afraid and not have to listen to it. I can feel the fear and, and do it anyway. And one of the things that, um, like, as you said, like the alternative is to decide on purpose, right? Okay. So how, you know, recognizing that, yeah, he could relapse tomorrow. Totally. Um, so how do I want to show up? I can't control him. I can't control if he does something that I, that will hurt me, but I can choose how I show up today in reference to our relationship and to myself and to him. So if I don't want to live our relationship out of fear, how do I want to do it? Do I want to show up? Like, what if I choose to believe that he is never going to relapse again? Women hate this question. (laughs) I ask this all the time. I'm like, what if you just chose to believe that he'd never relapse again? What's the worst that could happen? Like, well, I, I could be wrong. And I was like, yeah. And then what? Then you're wrong. Like, so what? Then you feel a little, I don't know, disappointed. You're going to feel disappointed anyway, even if you're expecting it to happen. Most women, the thing they bring up is that they are worried that they will feel naive if they choose to believe that he won't do it again. And what I want to, what I always offer is that being naive, feeling naive is when kind of you are purposefully ignoring but when you are choosing to hope or trust in him on purpose that isn't being naive that's being very brave and so and even if the worst thing that could happen was that you would feel a little naive again that's just an emotion Mm -hmm. it's just feeling a little naive which you don't die and nothing explodes you just feel an emotion so when you learn how to feel your feelings, 
then again, you get to decide and you say, you know what? I'm really good at feeling feelings. So I'm just going to choose how I want to live and not do it out of fear. Yes. Which is, I think it's such a powerful way to look at it because if you, if you assumed that he was going to slip again, mm-hmm. then you'd be living in a state of anxiety, just waiting yes. for that to happen. Constantly. Like it doesn't benefit you. I like the idea, like you're discussing, like, how do you want to respond to that? If he does slip, what does that mean for you? Does that mean you can't get as emotionally close to him? Does that mean you can't be physically intimate with him? Like if he's not doing his work, how do you want to respond to that? Mm-hmm. Because he may be in the phase of his process where he doesn't have it all figured out yet. Right. And he's still learning how to do this. And he's still learning how to navigate his own triggers and work through his own self-worth issues and trying to be a better person and improve and grow. Like he might just be in that phase right now where he doesn't have it figured out. So he might slip. Yeah. But for the wife who is listening, the idea that she can separate herself from his actions mm-hmm. and respond however she feels comfortable doing it. Like there's a lot of freedom in that where I don't have to be constantly hypervigilant. And for her to be able to take a step back and like, how do I want to live? Like regardless of what he does or doesn't do, yes. if he does slip, sure, I'm going to feel hurt. That's going to feel painful. I don't want him to turn to somebody else or something else. Right. But that in between, yeah. Can you speak a little bit more? I want to make sure that's like so clear because I know it's a really difficult concept, especially when you're in it. Mm-hmm. It's hard when you're in it to hear it's some of this stuff. Very hard. It's very hard. I think, but but it's it's so um, important to recognize, and I think that the key to recognizing this is understanding that just like this first question was, is that his behavior is not the key to you feeling better. And that's even just recognizing that or starting to see it even as a possibility is super powerful because that is what enables you to start moving forward. Even if he doesn't, even if he relapses every single day for the rest of your life or never relapses again, it doesn't matter. Not that it's not important, but if his actions are not what creates your feelings, if his behavior is not what is creating your emotions, then there's an opportunity. And I think starting to reframe it, I think a lot of women think it's unfair. Um, they, It's very tempting to want his behavior to create your emotions because then you don't have to do anything. And as hard as that is, you feel very stuck. It's also kind of safe because then you just don't have to do anything. Then you just get to be the victim. You get to be the one who was hurt. You get to be the one who was betrayed. You get to be the one who didn't do anything wrong. And everyone's on your side and he's the bad guy and you're just the poor, innocent bystander, right? And that's a very tempting place to be because it's harder to do all of that internal emotional work than it is to just stay hurt, which sounds so backwards. You would think that our brain wouldn't want to stay hurt. But at the end of the day, as you said, like as long as you're alive, your brain's like, job well done, wash mm-hmm. my hands, Yep. we are good. So if at the end of the day, you're miserable, but alive, your brain is like, let's stay so here. Win. Yep. Yes. And so just recognizing that there's an opportunity. And yeah, is it going to suck a little bit? Sure. But your alternative is that you stay miserable on your own forever, hoping that his behavior changes enough to make you feel differently. And that's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. 
And I just, as I'm thinking, I just, I'm listening to this and I can, I, I wonder, I can hear a wife listen to this and say like, yeah, but yeah, but yeah. him, yeah, yeah, but his work. And I don't think, so I wanted to clarify, like, we're not saying he shouldn't do his work. Oh, he totally should. Right. He should. Totally. And if your relationship is going to heal, that's a requisite, right? You can't have a relationship of trust while he's not doing his work. You can't, you can't have that degree of emotional closeness and connection to the degree that you would want it if he's sure. compartmentalized and turning away and not yeah. present. Like it just, it doesn't work that way. So it isn't like a, it, it, there, of course, we want to include the fact that in order for him to heal, he has to do his work. She can't mm -hmm. do it for him. Mm -hmm. In order for the relationship to thrive, both people have to participate, mm -hmm. which is, again, I think uh, going back to this original question, it can be tough when the husband's like, I'm doing everything though. I am showing up. I am being, and no, I'm not perfect. So yes, I'm going to make mistakes. And yes, I might get offensive sometimes. And, but I'm like, I'm showing up in a way that I never have, but then she feels like she's kind of trapped in that. So I, yeah, I appreciate your thoughts on that. It's so, so important. Wait, before you go, I'm offering free access for my podcast listeners to a course I created. So make sure you go to coupleshealing.org so you can get some tools to start the healing process individually and in your relationship. Or if you want even more support and you'd like to work with me directly, you can contact me with the info that's on that website as well. I'm excited for you to make progress on your journey.